Hello and welcome once again to the Wide Teams podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 43. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. I am joined today by Greg Bell. He's the co-founder of Reverb Software and a and the leader of the Active Admin Project. Greg, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Avdi. So, um, well, uh, first things first, uh, where are you calling from? Calling from Vancouver, Canada. And I understand that, uh, that you manage a, a pretty distributed team from there. Yeah, we do. We, um, uh, our, our company currently has, uh, six staff members. We are, uh, distributed around the world, actually, mostly in, we got two, two of our team members over in France. Um, and then, uh, and then, the other four are in and around Vancouver, uh, however, not not necessarily working out of a, a central office. Okay. Do you have any kind of office, or is it we just- we actually do? We, so we do have a an office space where we're currently in a in a shared office space, um, and uh, are waiting for about uh, another three weeks until we move into a, an office space that is being currently built for us right now. Oh. Um, but uh, the the plan is to have a, a space that that we can. We can certainly go if we want to, um, and uh, and I am a big fan of of uh, face to face team time. So as much as possible, I I love it when everybody can get into the office to uh, to deal with things face to face. And what kind of software do you work on? So we're doing mostly uh, mostly Rails applications right now. They're uh, all in the enterprise space. So we're building uh, a lot of a lot of software within the medical space. Um, and, uh, and the pharmaceutical, uh, software space. Hmm. That seems to be a big, a big space right now. I'm, I've been hearing from more and more, uh, okay. projects doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's worked out really well for us. Um, and, uh, I, I came from, uh, before starting this company, I worked at a company in, in Canada that was a financial startup. So we were building, um, technology on top of the Canadian banking system. And so, you know, the same security principles and the same um, issues around uh, data apply to medical software. And so it, it seems like the, the, the skills learned in the financial space have just kind of transitioned well to place our company in a, in a position to be able to develop that type of software. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So um, talk to me about your, your history with distributed teams. Yeah, well, I... Initially, um, was, was dealt, uh, the cards of being placed into a team where, um, I ended up having, uh, remote developers. This was probably about four years ago, I guess, was the, the first scenario where I had remote developers working for me and had to manage them. Um, I, to be totally honest, it went very poorly. Mm-hmm. I don't that it was something that I was particularly fond of and have uh, been kind of dealing with that situation uh, ever since in terms of trying to trying to wrap my head around how to properly manage teams uh, internationally. But I was I, uh, working, like I said, at a, at a company in Canada in the financial space, and we had uh, a couple of developers um, in the Ukraine. And that was my first experience of, of managing developers um, 
distributed language barriers, different time zones. Uh, and, uh, and I'll be honest, I, I think I did a lot of things wrong at the very beginning. Hmm. So that was kind of our, my, my initial, uh, my initial foray into the distributed team. How did that go down? I mean, was it like, um, you know, we want you to manage, manage a team and then, oh, by the way, it's distributed or you, you started to add distributed people over time or. So it went, uh, it, it, I got, uh, I inherited the developers being, being, uh, distributed. So I, I came into the company and there were already developers elsewhere. What we mm-hmm. ended up doing was, um, we ended up trimming and getting, getting local development staff all in one room. At the time we were, you know, starting on a, on a brand new product and we wanted to move really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's not that I don't think that you can move really quickly distributed, but at the time I don't think we had this internal skills to be able to move really quickly distributed. And so we found that we brought, uh, we brought a team together in house, which actually after a, a year of development, that team ended up kind of morphing into a distributed team. Even though we were all time zone aligned, everybody, uh, or nobody was ended up working out of the same office. So we ended up becoming distributed in the end just with time zone alignment. Hmm. So you said the initially it really didn't work out. What, what all went wrong? <laughs> well, I think that one of the issues was um, having good good technology in place to be able to have uh, that continuous communication that needs to happen. We were um, we were I don't remember at the time exactly what I think that it was using Pivotal Tracker, and that was about the only piece of software that was in place at this company to manage um, manage the product mm-hmm. and. Um, not to say that Pivotal Tracker can't be used distributed. Um, there just wasn't a really strong central place for everybody to converge. There was no IRC or HipChat or anything like that. There was no um, wait for us to do daily stand-ups. The, the, all those things weren't in place yet, and that was really, um, really what went wrong. Language barrier was a huge one, also. Um, mm. the, uh, making sure we can all communicate is uh, is is huge. That's kind of big, kind of a big deal. Yeah, very big deal. All right, so you uh, you soldiered through that, and then and then what happened next? Because uh, you're you you clearly didn't go back to uh, just only working uh, on co in co located co located teams. Yeah, and so so what happened was um, we ended up, like I said we we kind of brought that that all in house, um, got a team all in Vancouver together, and that worked that worked really well. And then what happened was. Um, we wanted to keep having great staff members. We wanted to keep people around as well as attract top talent and, uh, started realizing that although there's, there's certainly some great talent in Vancouver, um, if you want to have the top talent working on, on your application, uh, your software applications, you kind of need to look elsewhere than just in, in, uh, certainly in Vancouver. So, um, so what happened was we ended up, uh, letting people, you know, travel a little bit while working. Um, a bunch of the team, Vancouver is very close to Whistler, so a bunch of the team ended up moving up to Whistler and um, and skiing while while uh, while developing software. And so so that transition, it kind of naturally happened. Just the type of people that were working there wanted to to experience life a little bit differently, and the organization was willing to let that happen. So again, I at the time I was not a huge proponent of it, but having gone through it uh one time before it was a little bit uh easier we set up all we ha- we already had set up 
um, you know, a chat system. We had a proper process in place where we were doing daily standups. We were doing iteration plannings, all those things that, that allowed us to kind of converge on central points and then step away and, uh, and develop the software, um, without getting hindered by the fact that we mm-hmm. weren't beside each other. So, um, you know, like you said, you weren't, um, a huge proponent of it. Uh, but clearly you decided that you were going to make it work anyway. Um, what was your game plan? Like, what was, did you have certain points? It's like, we are not going to make this mistake, this, you know, these mistakes again. Yeah, I think that more or less my game plan is to, to try to get everybody in the same room as much as possible. And mm-hmm. with, uh, the, the next kind of, uh, layer of the onion outside, outside of that is try to get people FaceTime as much as possible. Um, and, uh, as much as we can have our team, connected and feeling like we're working together mm-hmm. uh, i i do so so you know at, at reverb we, we use HipChat and and jira confluence i think that those tools uh, allow us to uh, feel a lot more present with each other even mm-hmm. though we're not sitting in the same room um we we use uh google hangouts to do our our stand-ups and uh you know when skype is working well we use skype a ton Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when Skype is working well, yeah. The game plan was really all about you know, let's try to put the right tools and technologies in place. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's really more of a process um, and, and having the right the right people than it is uh, necessarily the, the technologies used. Right. So so describe to me your your ideal people. Yeah, my my ideal people. Uh, actually really enjoy writing down what they're doing. They enjoy mm-hmm. writing down, um, uh, even if they're by themselves, they enjoy documenting their thoughts in, in, uh, either a wiki or just in hip chat mm-hmm. and, um, and, and making it really obvious what, what they're up to as well as, uh, making it obvious for the rest of the team to know what everybody is up to. Mm-hmm. I think that you can, you know, even even we're doing full daily standups, but I think you can even coast by a little bit, not really having those detailed conversations and stuff can slip through the cracks. Um, and so I, I my, you know, the perfect person for me is is somebody who loves to loves to write detailed tickets, loves to uh, write down requirements, loves to, you know, show show off software pushes uh, often and um, and uh and loves to kind of that's that's a part of who they are as opposed to something that they feel forced to do. Okay, so basically you're trying to hire like uh, the the Twitter generation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Minus being on Twitter all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Essentially, that's that's what I'm trying to hire. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, you have to. I guess you have to stop talking about what you're doing and actually do it. Yeah, preferably. That's the trick what they do <laughs> <laughs> all right so like um i guess you've kind of already told me some of the answer to this but but uh what's what's a day in the life like i mean uh you you you, you do a stand-up right over yeah. google hangouts yeah over google hangouts we're uh which is which is working really really well actually um uh so we we do our daily stand-up now most people uh, on the West Coast, cringe whenever or other developers I talk to, at least we do our, our stand up at 8 a.m. Pacific. Um, okay. The reason for that is that uh, you know a couple of our developers are in France, which that turns out to be I, I think five o'clock um, in in France, and so 
um, we kind of catch the the last end of their day and they mm-hmm. catch the start of our day. So in terms of doing, if our team is is working really well, we can be very productive because of the fact that we're working essentially what becomes kind of around the clock. Mm-hmm. That obviously brings brings a whole bunch of other issues that can come up. But uh, in in terms of the, the life in the day, yeah, I'm uh, 8 a.m. We're we're kicking off with a stand up, um, and then after after stand up, we're usually trying to have whatever additional conversations need to happen between our distributed teams right right then. Are mm-hmm. uh, anybody who's coming into the office in Vancouver usually doesn't doesn't come into the office for that 8 a.m. call just because it's too early. Um, but then after that, uh, you know, I, I'm usually trickling into the office around 9:30, 10 o'clock, um, and uh, and pretty typical software development day after that. Um, we're we're sitting on HipChat all day and uh, using using that a ton. And then, like I say, also also uh, documenting as much as possible everything into into Jira and Confluence. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like about HipChat? Uh, there, there's a couple things I like about HipChat. Um, first of all, it's, it's easy, um, it's easy to use and which is, which is a good thing. We do have, uh, you know, my founder of the, the company, uh, while, you know, technically savvy is not a software developer. So IRC would seem crazy to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so it's easy to use. Uh, and then the second thing is that it does have integrated video chat. Oh, Okay. Can't do multi multi user, but you can do one on one video chat, and so we end up using that a ton, just so that we don't have to have uh, Skype open all day long. We mm-hmm. have all our my my one of my issues with Skype is we have all our clients on Skype, and so it's uh, it's great, but um, all of our clients are are immediately available, and sometimes you don't necessarily want that. So you know I you know it's it's. There's the good things of Skype and then the other things, which I have too many people on Skype, so I don't always want to be on Skype. So this is a nice kind of private area. It's only members of our team that are there, and you can quickly have a little video chat and uh, and deal with whatever you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you, do you do you use IRC? Do you use Skype? Do you use? Um, I I've usually wound up using um, you know whatever the the team that I'm jo- I'm. Yeah. Joining, you know, augmenting is already using. So, uh, I've, I've, I use lots, you know, I've, I've used a lot of campfire, mostly campfire. I think most teams I've, I've seen are using campfire. Um, yeah. uh, I've used some flow doc. Um, haven't used hip chat yet, but yeah, certainly Skype. I hate using Skype for, for team conversations, but, uh, but it's there and a lot of people have it. The big one um, for me for, for why hip chat was, was that integrated video. That's a big deal. I uh, I did not realize that. I'm gonna have to to look into that again. Um, now you've got you've got a, a people in Vancouver and you've got got people in France, right? Um, do you how do you divide up the work there? I mean, are they are those those teams working on two different projects, or um, do you actually um share work with them or what? Yeah. So our, our initial goal was that our, our two guys in France, while they're, um, they live about a, I believe about an hour away from each other. The, um, the, the initial idea was to get them on the same project and, uh, and to siphon work off 
that way. So we, you know, we have our France team that'll be working on one project because they'll be able to, you know, deal specifically with each other and, uh, and there'll be really tight communication between the two of them. And then we'll have other projects for the team in Vancouver. What ended up happening was just, you know, through the nature of consulting, um, that didn't quite work out as planned through just resourcing and the way projects ended up happening. So we are, we are all working on, on, uh, projects together. Mm-hmm. So, um, in terms of management, the, the, really the, the only issue that we've been running into that I would love if, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a solution, um, is that our, our friends, we're, we're dealing with mostly American clients. And so our friends team just gets very little time with our client because mm-hmm. of the time zone. So, you know, if we have early morning meetings, we can set up times, uh, for our developers to actually meet with the client, which I'm a, I'm a big proponent of. I, I want to reduce the, uh, amount of, uh, well, I guess any communication barrier between the actual software developers and the client. So that's, that's been kind of one of the, the biggest challenges, um, for management of, of the, the France team. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're doing pretty typical, um, iteration planning, uh, meetings. We're doing mostly two week iterations. Uh, we try to get our clients in on those. Uh, if not, we have done two step iteration plannings where, uh, I and, uh, somebody else from the Vancouver team will have an iteration planning with the actual customer. And then we'll actually estimate that internally, um, on a different time schedule because of the guys in France. Mm-hmm. So now, can you actually? So now, do you sort of split up the stories, or can you actually say, you know, look, I got this far. Share, share a story and say, look, I got this far today, you know, and at the sort of the changeover of the time zone, say, can you pick it up from here? We, I think we tr- we tried that at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't find that that worked all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've what we've typically done is, is split up the story. So, you know, at iteration planning, we would still kind of say, okay, you know what, you're going to take this, I'm going to take this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could be closely, you know, they, they might be coupled, but at least they're, you know, they're, they're a little bit separate. Um, and then we would do more of a code review a- afterwards instead of working on the exact same thing. We have done it. Um, but, but typically we try to try to kind of siphon those off a little bit. Do you ever run into the issue of, you know, um, the people in France are stalled all day because they need an, a quest, you know, an answer to a question and, um, and the people, the person that could answer their question is, is off work or asleep? Yes. And usually, usually that person is me, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And that, that's when I, when I said before that, you know, there were issues with the time zone alignment. That is the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, uh, that's one of the biggest problems, and that's something that that is really hard to resolve, um, because the the things that come up aren't the things that you think are going to come up. Right. Otherwise, we would have thought of them. So, um, so that that's a tough one. I, have you have you seen any solutions for that? I, yeah, I've talked to people um, with solutions for that. I mean, um, I've I've seen a few a few different things. I mean, one strategy is is make sure that that there's that you always have at least two things you, you could be working on yeah. um you know so hopefully you know the and two things that are that are fairly independent so hopefully if one is blocked the other isn't um there are some strategies for sort of changing how you 
orient your stand-ups um to try to make them more uh forward-looking you know uh try to more you know be a little more strenuous about identifying you know queuing in and hearing okay that's they're talking about something that i'm gonna have to give them some input on right um and um i'm not sure what else yeah, I, I like I like that idea. I mean, I, I try to end uh, each stand up with the question of is anybody blocked by anything? Right. Uh, now, you know, that's not particularly uh, new. I mean, that's kind of a, a part of what certainly I would consider a good stand up. But um, that typically c- uncovers as as much as possible some of those items. But, you know, we've we've I have totally run into that problem. And uh, I think that is. One of the key issues, if, if you're going to make a list of things, uh, you know, cons of being distributed, uh, that's not even distributed. I guess it's just that that's a time zone issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's one of the top issues that I, that I've run into. Now, hopefully uh, I like the idea of, of having multiple tasks. And that's really at the end of the day, what our team has, um, been able to do. Hopefully you have team members who are, uh, you know, they're distributed, but they also, uh, you know, have a, they're, they're pretty smart. And so they can find other stuff to do. It's pretty rare to be working on a piece of software where you're, you know, you're blocked and you're like, I, I, there is absolutely nothing else I could do at this time. Right. That's, that's pretty, pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I would do, you know, if I were in that situation. Uh, and, and like you say, it's, it's a toughie. I mean, and, and I guess, you know, one of the agile principles is, you know, we don't, there isn't really a prescribed solution for everything, you know, but you try to get the, the teams to solve it. And I guess I would try to just sort of like keep a running log of the, of the kinds of problems that people get blocked on and just like in a, in a retrospective, you know, maybe try to identify, okay, is there any commonality to the kind of things that people are getting blocked on? And then, and then try to brainstorm, you know, is there a way that we can, you know, is there something we can do to make this kind of question more clear? I mean, are these, you know, are these little niggling UI issues that we could address by, by doing a, you know, a bit more, a bit more mock-up beforehand or, you know, whatever that, you know, whatever the type of issue that comes up. Yeah, certainly, certainly track. I think that's a great idea, tracking those and then, and then watching them. I mean, that, that seems like a very sane way to, to uh, start uncovering at least maybe what the root of the problem is. Yeah. Yeah, and it may, you know, some of it may may just be like you said in that connection or lack thereof between the the programmers and the client. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that that that's something that we have um our company has has kind of accepted. Um mm-hmm. you know, we're, if we do have a team elsewhere, uh they're not necessarily going to be connecting with the client as much as I would personally like to see them connect with the client and you know, that just needs to be understood. And I know that when I, if I meet with the client or anybody else on our team does meet with the client, we need to make sure that that conversation is somehow getting filtered back. And so that typically means taking a lot more meeting notes than I feel comfortable taking um, and and making sure that that information flows back. Because those those side conversations that, you know, you have with clients can can end up uh giving you a lot of context for little small decisions you end up making within the software. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Um, you know, in the past, one thing that I've tried to do, you know, I think the, 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 the one distributed relationship that every software company has, 
or pretty much every software company has is with their client. I mean, a few teams are lucky enough to have their client embedded at all times, but I think most teams that are working out there, uh, you know, and certainly, certainly any kind of, you know, consulting teams, um, are going to have times when the client isn't around. And, you know, one thing I've, I've tried to do in the past is, is just like, if I'm working on a bigger feature, uh, record a, a tiny, tiny little screencast of, of what I've done that's new every day and send it out. And, wow. you know, just, you know, like sometimes they're 30 seconds long, but, um, uh, you know, there's a service that called screenr, screenr.com that, that makes that like super simple. And, you know, and it just, I guess it, and, and it, it, sometimes I'd send it out to the team as well if, if it's stuff that they're, they're working with. And I think maybe sometimes that can help head off some of those questions or some of those blockages. Um, just because somebody looks at it and says, no, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. Or, or that's going to get you into trouble or something like that. I yeah. don't know though. It's, I like that idea. I think that's, that's a solid idea. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's certainly no, no, you know, complete solutions for that. No, certainly not. Certainly not. So what else have you learned? Uh, what, one other thing that I, that I have learned is that, uh, that I'm still actually searching for is how to deal with, uh, young members of the team. So we're, we're a consulting company. We, uh, we like the idea of having a really great training program that can take, uh, younger, uh, developers out of, out of college and turn them into what we would consider a, a production reverb developer. That's fantastic. And I don't know how to do that distributed. Mm. Uh, something that, that, uh, I'm particularly interested in from other consulting companies as to whether they, they've successfully done this. But, um, you know, we, I, I truly believe in pair programming. We do a lot of pair programming with our internal teams or mm. our teams that are in Vancouver. But, uh, it, it's more difficult doing that remotely. Not saying it's not, not plausible. Uh, we've done it. Um, it's not quite as, as good, I find. Um, but the, the other, the other piece is, I guess, if you're not in time zone, um, dealing with, uh, younger members of the team, making sure that they're, they're, you know, getting the knowledge they need and, uh, and going through the proper kind of, uh, training required. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of time zone, that, that becomes tricky. I mean, I'm, I'm also a huge proponent of, of pair programming and, and particularly remote pair programming because, um, I do think it's totally doable, um, and it it really helps. I feel like it's, if anything, pair programming is more important for distributed teams because it it forces you to cement those bonds between people and and those you know idea connections between people that otherwise might not develop. You know, they might develop naturally if if you're in the same office together, but uh, uh, they might not if you only if the only time you have to be together and talking to each other is during the standup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's, you know, within when I've had teams a couple of years ago when we were time zone aligned distributed, um, we did a, a lot of, uh, remote pairing, which, which I found to be very productive. And, you know, it, with the tools and technologies, you know, fairly, fairly simple and trivial to have a setup that, that works really well. Um, uh, as for being out of time zone, that, that is where we kind of ran into a problem. And I don't think there's a solution there. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just, you, you got to find ways to, to work within, uh, a time that works for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a toughie. I mean, apart from, 
Well, somebody new. I mean, apart from maybe identify partnering with some people, even if they aren't an employee, but partnering with with some people that are in the same time zone as those developers, um, just for for training purposes or something like that. Um, I you know I I don't know. Yeah, that, that's certainly an interesting one. Anyway, I, I certainly see it as a as a challenge that hopefully will be uh, will be overcoming. And and maybe the reality is is that you you kind of need to work at, at the same time to to get that training um, that is required. If if it's you know you and I both believe in pair programming as a great mechanism for that. So you kind of need two people to pair program. So you need to be willing to work at the same hour. Um, mm-hmm. and, Maybe there, there's not really much to solve. It's just a matter. You got to be you got to be working at the same time. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, they're, if they're if they're young people, if they're fresh out of college, you know, you can just tell them, look, you're going to be on a different on a weird schedule while we're <laughs> while we're uh, while we're getting started. That's just the way it's going to be. We'll work on my schedule. <laughs> they're fresh out of college. They're probably on a weird schedule anyway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. um You've given me a lot of good advice already. Uh, what is your like your your most important number one? Uh, so if if somebody is getting uh, getting into distributed work, uh, the thing that they should keep foremost in their minds. I think that you want to uh, the one thing you got to keep in mind is showing progress in a way that everybody on the team can see it. Um, I, I when you're when you're all sitting in the same room. You know, obviously, you have to have communication. That's that's a no-brainer. You got to be able to communicate. But on top of that, um, when you're sitting in the same room, you can feel each other's process. You can see the progress. You see them working on things. When you're distributed, um, you don't necessarily see that. And so, uh, I need to I need to have a just kind of a sense that things are progressing and moving forward. And so, whatever tools, systems, processes you end up using. I think the the most important thing from my perspective is making sure that everybody can see that progress is happening and everybody's moving forward. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of my, I, w- I would keep that at the forefront. Whether that's putting, uh, you know, putting big big monitors up with activity feeds or just making sure everybody is constantly doing stuff in Campfire or HipChat, you know, your ticketing system hooking into that or. Or uh, you know, a, a, a very active GitHub account, or, or whatever that is, just making sure that everybody feels like progress is being made. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, Greg, before I let you go, uh, are there uh, where, where can people find you online and and find Reverb and and your your other projects? Yeah. So uh, Reverb can be found at reverbhq.com. It's a company company website. I blog on there uh, semi regularly. Uh, I have a website at gregbell.ca that I very rarely blog on. Uh, most likely, find me on GitHub. My name on everything is is Greg Bell. And uh, there's also the the Ruby Open Source Challenge is going on right now. So if there's any developers out there listening, uh, the uh, you can win prizes for contributing to Active Admin. So take a look at that. Sweet. Yeah. All right, Greg. Thanks so much for t- for taking the time. Thank you very much. And that's our show today. I hope you've enjoyed it. To subscribe to the show, if you haven't already, or to check out more interviews and articles about remote work, go to wideteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store, where reviews are very welcome.
I am seeking a sponsor or sponsors for this podcast to help me keep great interviews like the one you just heard going up every week. If you or your company might be interested in sponsoring the show, please email me at contact at wideteams.com. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Opti Grimm signing off. Wow, 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 wow,